Hi, my name is Mark Riggins, and I'm pastor here at LifePoint, located in Plano, Texas, and we meet here every Sunday at 1030, and we are here for your family. I hope today's message is an encouragement to you. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God, Acts 15, 19. Would you stand with me as we continue our series to the book of Acts? This is our memory verse for the series, Acts 15, 19. Would you say it out loud with me, church? It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not, for the Gentiles who are... Acts 15, 19. Sound great. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for your promise to be here with us this morning. Lord, may you awaken our hearts to know you more, and to help more people know you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Hey, this week was a special week for a lot of us because college football kicked off officially this week. Yeah, I know some of you are excited. Here's what I want you to do. I just want to get it out of your system, so I'm going to count to three, and I'm going to ask you to shout out your favorite football team, okay? On the count of three. Ready? One, Two, hang on, some of you are so excited and some of you aren't awake yet. I'm asking you to shout out your favorite college football team on the count of three, all right? One, two, three. I knew there would be one that would have to wait because you wanted to make sure your team was heard. I love that, Clarissa. All right, some of you, I heard it was very powerful. I love the energy in the room. We're not going to talk about that anymore, okay? But I will tell you, whenever I was in high school, or when, when I was uh, in elementary school, on Friday nights, we would go to the football game, right? West Texas, we'd go to this football stadium. And I remember sitting in the stands, watching the game, being so excited to watch this football game. And after about the first quarter, there was something in me that felt this was incomplete. Because I'm watching the game, I'm a little boy, I want to play the game, Right? So I don't know if any of you ever did this, but after about the first quarter, I would go into this little practice field that was beside the stadium where it was very dimly lit, and we would, just a bunch of little kids who didn't know any better, we'd play the game. And so we would be out there, in my memory, there were about 100 kids, or probably 10, but in my memory, there were about 100 kids, elementary and middle school, and we're playing tackle football, like no parent is there to say, don't do that, it's a good way to break something. We didn't know any better, so we're busting ankles or whatever, we don't care. We've just got one football, and it's chaos. But we're having so much fun because we're playing the game. And we go home bruised and sweaty, and we sleep so well that night because we did what we wanted to really do, not watch, but play the game. We kept saying, when is it going to be our turn? When is it going to be our turn? And finally, we just went over there and we said, it's our turn and let's go. Let me tell you what I believe. I believe in 2021, we have become as a culture experts at being spectators. You see, we know how to scroll the feed and watch everybody else's life. We know how to go to YouTube and absorb Netflix and how to watch everybody else's life. Meanwhile, there's something kind of dying in a lot of us. And after a while, and all of us experience this, there is that question that haunts all of us. And at three in the morning when you're in bed, that question surfaces like a well through the surface of an ocean. And that question haunts you and you hate it just like I hate it. All of a sudden, you're on your commute to work, and you turn down the music, turn off the podcast, and all of a sudden, there it is again, that haunting question that you hate and I hate. 
You go on vacation, you're in a beautiful place, and your perspective is shifting, and you're unplugging and relaxing, and all of a sudden, there it is, that haunting question that you hate and I hate, and it is this. Is this all there is to life? Is this it? Is there more? Is something missing? And when we feel like something is missing, we try to get bigger houses and better jobs and different relationships, only to discover in a few years it didn't answer the question. So we get bigger houses and better jobs and different relationships, only to discover in a few years it doesn't answer the question. We have become expert spectators when we were designed to be in the game. And the Apostle Paul is going to scream 2,000 years later in the chapter we're going to look at today in the book of Acts, and he is going to answer the question with crystal clear clarity. How do you answer the question, is this it? Is there more to life? Is something missing? Paul is going to answer that question for us today. And it could be for some of us here today, some of you who may be watching online, so glad that you're here. This could be the answer you need to hear today. Let's hear what Paul has to say about that question. If you've got your Bibles, I hope you'll open them up. You've got Bibles in the, the row that you're on. Uh, Acts chapter 13 is where we're going to look. I hope you'll open. If you've got a pen, you'll follow along. We're going we're gonna to do a lot. We're going to cover a lot of Scripture today, and I'm going to just tell you now, I want you to be writing in your Bible whatever like, you, know, you feel prompted to write down. Just write it down. Make sure you're in the Bible, interacting with it. I think it's an important experience as we depend increasingly on God's Word. Now, if you've, you're the first time, maybe you're back today because somebody promised you lunch today. By the way, way to go. I'm glad that they did. Make sure when you go out to eat today, you order the steak. You earned it. You're here, okay? But if somebody promised you that and you're here today, you don't typically come and you're just kind of checking church out, just know we're going through one of the books in the Bible called Acts. And this is basically the 30 years after Jesus rose from the dead, the beginning of the thing we call the church. It's where Christianity itself came from. And so if you missed the first 12 chapters, it's totally okay. Today is almost a standalone, so you're not going to miss anything. For those of you who have been here on the journey, you're like, now remind me, what have we covered? I got you covered, because I can tell you in two words per chapter what we've studied together, and it's simply this. In Acts chapter 1, two words, that chapter was about disciples sent. You may remember that. In Acts chapter 2, it was about Holy Spirit. Boom. Big dynamic moment. You remember that? And then in Acts chapter 3, we have miracles and message. This is where Peter steps up, and Peter is the man. Acts chapter 4, we have the disciples persecuted or the disciples arrested. And then Acts chapter 5, am I right so far? In Acts chapter 5, we have the apostles beaten. The persecution is beginning to increase. You remember the story as we're going through the launch of the church? Acts chapter 7, we have the deacons chosen. A little more help. The widows need to be taken care of. The poor need to be taken care of. Then we get to Acts chapter 7. This is a monumental event where Stephen is martyred, the first Christian martyr. Remember that? And then we move on to Acts chapter 8, and the Christians scatter. Of course they do, after there's been the death of the first Christian. And then we get to Acts chapter 9, and Saul is converted. Remember that on the way to Damascus, big moment. In fact, it's in today's chapter where his name is changed from Saul to Paul as he becomes more attractive to the Greeks and embraces 
that name. And then we get to Acts chapter 10, and we see the Gentiles saved. This is where Peter had the vision, the sheet thing came down, all of a sudden it's like, hey, Gentiles are, are clean too, and he goes to Cornelius in his household. And then we get to Acts chapter 11, and we have the Antioch Christians, the first time the word Christian is ever used. And finally, in Acts chapter 12, we looked at it last week, Christians pray. Remember, Peter's in prison. They pray, gather in Martha's house, and they come out and pray together when he is released from prison. So you're all caught up. That's what we've covered so far. And it's today where it's a turning point in the entire book of Acts. It's like the book pivots on this chapter, and it swings from left to right. It's in this chapter where all of a sudden the first 12 chapters of the book of Acts, it's primarily been about this man named Peter. And now, for the rest of the book of Acts, it's primarily going to be about this person named Paul. Up until now, the first 12 books, uh, chapters of the book of Acts, it's primarily been about the place of Jerusalem. And now, for the rest of the book of Acts, it's going to primarily be about to the ends of the earth. Up until now, in the first 12 chapters of Acts, it's primarily been to the Jewish people. And now, in the rest of the book of Acts, it's primarily to the Gentiles as well as the Jewish people. This is the chapter where it turns on a hinge. It's an important chapter because it's in this chapter that Paul takes his very first missionary journey. And so we're actually going to cover today Acts chapter 13 and Acts chapter 14, but because it's a lot, we got to do it in summary form. So we're going on a trip today, the trip of the first missionary journey. There will be three in this book that Paul takes, and this is the first of three. Think of it as um, a travelocity for the book of Acts, okay? That's where we're going today. We're going to see his trip. We're going to see eight different stops he makes along the way. In a minute, we're going to put up a map, and we're going to actually see the stops, and that will walk us through the book. And there will be verses along the side of the screen so that you can actually see in your Bibles where each of these stops are happening in your Bible. Remember we memorized Acts 1.8, and it said, it, it, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The title of our series, this is the chapter where to the ends of the earth begins to happen for the rest of the book of Acts. This is the turning point in the book. Having said all that, I hope you've got your Bibles and you're ready to go on a trip because we're going to see this and we're going to see how it applies to us. So it begins in summary form if you look at the first three verses of chapter 13, where there you'll see that Peter, or rather Paul and Barnabas, are both chosen. They have the elders lay their hands on them, and they end up being chosen by the Holy Spirit to be the two who are sent out to go on this trip. So they go on this trip. Now I want you to see the map, because this is going to give us a summary of where we're going to go on this first missionary trip. And you see right here, we're in Antioch. This is Antioch, which is actually allowing us North of Jerusalem, so Jerusalem's not even on this map, it's so far south as we're seeing Acts 1-8 lived out. Down here is Jerusalem, 300 miles to the north is Antioch. It's in Antioch where Paul and Barnabas are called by the church and are sent out to go on this first missionary trip. So all of a sudden you'll see in verse 4 of chapter 13, they're going to go down to Seleucia. It's about 14 miles south because this is the seaport city where they're going to head out. They go out, and it's a great trip. I can't imagine what that's like because now they're about to begin an 18-month 
trip. Can you imagine that? I don't know how their vacation time worked with their jobs, but they got 18 months. They're going on this trip. We're about 44 A.D. to 46 A.D. when they begin this trip. And they begin with the first leg of the trip going all the way to this island of Cyprus. It's about 60 miles off the coast. Now here's why they probably chose this island of Cyprus. Because it's Paul and Barnabas. And guess where Barnabas is from? Cyprus. This is his home. It makes sense that he would begin their journey with a place they're familiar with, and they begin in the place where, where Barnabas was raised. And so they go and they start with the city of uh, Salamis, which you can see there in verse uh, 5 through 12 when they get to Cyprus that he, they just simply have this strategy. They start going to the synagogues where there are religious people gathered, and they begin to say this. You have a faith, but your faith is in religion, your faith is in traditions, your faith is in rules. In other words, they would go on to say, your faith is dead, but we have met the living God. He sent Jesus and he rose from the dead. I came face to face with him. He is the completion of the salvation we have been anticipating. And some people would respond to that living message, and some people would reject it. And that was their message. They weren't worried about who accepted it and who rejected it. They were just going to declare it to anyone who would listen. So that's what they do in their first stop. And then they go on foot another 90 miles to the other side of the island. Can you imagine what this journey was like for them? They go all the way to Paphos on the, on, the, on the far west side of the island. And there they have this incredible experience. You can see that in verse uh, 13, 12 and 13, where there's actually a, 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 um, a governmental official that they're interacting with. And, and there's a man named uh, Alimus who they actually bring in, who's a sorcerer or a magician. And he ends up uh, opposing Paul. And Paul ends up through a supernatural movement of the Holy Spirit. He, this man ends up being temporarily blinded. Like it's a very dramatic scene. Meanwhile, there's this third person who's been on the trip. His name is Mark, or John Mark. He's been going with them all along the way because he too is a believer. And it's at this point where he's kind of had enough. And Barnabas and Paul are about to head up back to the mainland. And it's at this point they kind of go their separate ways. And John Mark decides to sort of abandon them and go back. This will become a recurring theme in the story of the book of Acts. Whatever happened to that guy, Mark? Well, just know this. It wasn't a good separation. We don't know the details of the story. Scripture chooses not to tell us. But we know that Barnabas, who's known as the encourager, keeps saying, he's a good guy. God's not done with him yet. And Barnabas and Paul will later actually separate over their opinion of Mark. And eventually, it's Paul, years later, who references back and says, you know what, that Mark guy, I think he's good for the ministry too. But for whatever reason, there's a point of division here, and John Mark leaves the, the sort of the team of Barnabas and Paul. Meanwhile, Barnabas and Paul continue moving on. They, take, they sail, and they come all the way to land. Now, this is all, if you're needing context like me, this is all modern-day Turkey. As they go north here, they land in this region of Pamphylia. Right up here, you'll see this in verse 13, they land, and again, they continued their same strategy. They simply go to the synagogues, they talk to the religious, and they're saying, you've got to meet this living God. Your faith is dead until you know this living God. They're so excited, they move on, and then they come to this place called Antioch. And this is up here on their fourth stop and in here, you've got to remember, this is a different Antioch than here. Now, isn't that sufficiently confusing? 
Yes, this is often called the Antioch of Syria, even though it's in modern-day Turkey. Again, how confusing is that? This is the Antioch. Sometimes they would call it uh, Pisidia because this is the region Pisidia Antioch, but it's a different Antioch. It's rarely mentioned. This is usually the Antioch that's being referenced in Scripture. But on this journey, Paul's first missionary journey, he does go to the other Antioch. And it's here that he preaches, or the Bible records, his message. And I just want to pause and point out what Paul says, because I suspect it's the same thing he's been saying in all of these stops, but the Bible, halfway through his journey, decides to record it for you and I, so that we can know what that message is. Can you imagine being there to hear this as it comes out of this great apostle? What happens is, in this story, he's there in Antioch, and Paul begins to preach. And you know what he's preaching? The Bible. The Bible story. He goes all the way back to Abraham. You can, you can see it for yourself there in verses 14 through 50. He goes all the way back to Abraham because he's saying, hey, this is our faith. He goes all the way back to Abraham. Then he talks about whenever the children of Israel were in Egypt and they were enslaved. And he says, but our God fought for us and freed us. And then he moves forward all the way to Saul and then King David back in the apex of the glory days of the kingdom of Israel. And he continues to move forward to the prophets. And then he comes to today, and this is what he says. I love this. In fact, if you got your Bibles, you can see it at the end of verse 26. I would even underline this, this part of the verse. In the end of verse 26, he says, it is to us that the message of salvation has been sent. In other words, what Paul is saying in this moment he says that God has been faithful for thousands of years. Generation after generation has been faithful to share the greatness of God to the next generation. And then that generation was faithful to share the greatness of God to the next generation. And it has gotten to us, Paul said. And then Paul's able to say to every one of these stops, he says, now here's what I've come to tell you. The message of salvation is now here. We now know who the Messiah is. I've seen him with my own eyes. His name is Jesus. And if you're longing for more, he is the more we long for. And then he goes on to say, and it doesn't have to be by your power. It's the power of the Holy Spirit moving through you who will draw you to this Jesus and give your life meaning. And then he goes further and says, now let me give you purpose in your life. It is to us this message of salvation has been sent. In other words, this doesn't start with us. It will not end with us. Our job is just to be faithful in our generation so that the next generation can know the message of the gospel. It's a powerful message, and I can't help but think this. Here we stand in 2021, 2,000 years later, and the same exact truth applies to you and I. For thousands of years, Christians have been faithful in one generation to share the gospel to the next generation. And that generation has been faithful to share it with the next generation. And now we can echo the words of Paul and say, it is to us that the message has been sent, the message of salvation. Now, I just want to say this. It's our turn. We no longer have to wait like an elementary school waiting on the varsity game 
It's no longer our turn to want to be a spectator, but wish we were in the game. Paul says we are in the game. We've been enlisted. We've been called. It is our turn to be a missionary to this generation for the sake of the next generation. Amen? This is our call. This is our invitation, not just to know him, but to share him with people around us. Why? Because the next generation depends on it. It is our turn. It is our moment. And if you're like me, sometimes in the middle of the night, it wonders, like, is this it? Is there more? to life Paul says yes there's more to your life because there is the temptation to substitute the call or the purpose or the the command to share Jesus with others to substitute it with dead things that were never intended to fully satisfy but instead Paul comes to these people in Antioch in this entire trip and says it is Jesus and Jesus alone and his hope of eternity that we must share it is our call it is our joy it is what only will satisfy by sharing Jesus with others, it is our turn to be a missionary to this generation for the sake of the next generation. I want you to see what he goes on to say. I think it's down in verse 36 in, in uh, Acts chapter 13 where he goes on to say, this is how the, the kings led, lived their life. He says, now when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, it is a generational accountability. He says, he fell asleep and he died. That's all he did. He just served God's purpose in his generation. This is our moment. We are not intended to be spectators. And everything, it's like fighting cheap seats, looking to get a better seat at the real game. And Paul says, forget the cheap seats. Get in the game. Leave the seat and get in the game and realize this is what you and I have been created to do, to share the message of salvation with others. Because the greatest gift we can give the next generation is to introduce this generation to Jesus. Amen? And this is what Paul is inviting us into. 2,000 years ago, he's telling them and he's telling us, don't settle for a cheaper purpose. Don't settle for a less exciting adventure. Get in the grand adventure of sharing Jesus with others. He goes on to say later on in verse 46 at the very end of that chapter, he goes on to say his own vision, he says, is that we would bring salvation to the ends of the earth. This, he says, is what I want to do with the rest of my life. Now you might think, well that's fun, that sounds pretty exciting. I wonder what his pay was like. I wonder what that adventure was like for old Paul. I wonder how that worked out. Did that turn out to be a pretty easy life, maybe pretty fulfilling as people applauded his life? Well, I want you to see how it turned out for him. If we go back to that map, you'll see that if we go back to stop number five, we see him go all the way down uh, from Antioch. He goes all the way down to Iconium. And then he goes all the way down uh, to Lystra, and then he goes all the way to Derby. Here's what we need to remember. In this story of this journey, it is when he gets to Lystra that people come and they begin to be excited about him, and quickly they turn on his message, and therefore they turn on him. And here's what they do, which is not unusual in that custom. When they turned on somebody, it got violent. They went from threatening him to leave to threatening him with death. And then it happened. They begin to pick up stones. They begin to throw them at Paul. And they begin to stone Paul, their impromptu, in that moment. And they believed they had stoned him to death. And they dragged him out to the edge of the city where he was left to take his last breath. God in his goodness decided to restore Paul. He wasn't quite done with Paul. But those are the perks 
of sharing the gospel in the first century. And sure enough, God restored him. And you know what he does? He goes to the next city in Derby, and he continues to share the gospel. And he says, hey, that thing that you're pursuing is death. The thing that you ought to pursue is life. Get in the game and share the message of salvation, which has been given to us in our generation to share with others so that the next generation can know him too. And then after he's done with that, he goes all the way back and he retraces all of his steps. And in the eighth and final journey, he makes his way all the way back to Antioch. And then he'll take two more trips after this one. He'll he'll stay there for, for two or three more years at the end of chapter 14 before he begins another journey down the road. Now, here we are in 2021, and the question is, well, what's the 18-month journey we're called to take, right? Like, it's tempting to think whatever Paul did, we must need to do, and, and if i got to be stoned, I'll be stoned if that's what we need to be. And, you know, we're like, well, no, what, maybe he has something different for us. But the mission is the same, isn't it? Well, how, when the mis- message of salvation is sent to me, how do I respond to that in 2021? I just want to give you a couple of ideas, and then we're going to talk about a bigger idea as we wrap it up. A couple of quick ideas, though. Number one is, can I just encourage you, if you're not already doing this, to have God conversations with people? In other words, when you're talking to someone, it doesn't mean that you've got to jump into the Romans road. If that's your call, go for it. But if not, you can, you can drop God into your conversations. You can sort of drip the gospel into your conversations. You can say things like, well, God's blessed us with a beautiful day. I'm grateful God's blessed me with a good family. I'm grateful or I'm praying for whatever it is. But you just drop God into the conversation occasionally. Here's why. When people mark you as a follower of Jesus, when the Spirit draws them to Jesus, they know who to go to. God has a funny way. When he puts people on your heart, he's working on their heart. Your job is just to begin to make the introduction and kind of crack the ice a little bit and drop God into the conversations. Then trust the Holy Spirit to do the work. Second thing, I've asked you to do this before, and I want to continue to ask you to do this. Pray for three people you know who don't know Jesus. Pray regularly for three people you know who don't know Jesus. Pray for those people and have God conversations. Why? Because at the end of the day, you want to be in the game. You don't want to be a spectator watching what God's doing around the world, watching what God's doing in other people's lives, and saying, way to go, God. I'm so grateful that you're still moving. When he's the whole time inviting you to get out of the, uh, the, the bleachers and into the game. And this is a small way to take a step into the game. But now I want to give you a bigger way you can take a step into the game. So we want to now talk about, okay, that was Paul's journey. That's a great map that we see what he was up to 2,000 years ago. But what about us? What's our journey been when it comes to missions here at LifePoint? So I want to invite out our uh, Director of Global Missions, Pastor Dennis Tolleson. Would you, would you welcome Pastor Dennis out as we talk about our journey? Wow. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Doug and Scott and Rick. Appreciate this. I'm in your way, aren't I? It's all your way. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Rick. Well, as we talk about missions or the journey that God has had us on, Dennis, you've been leading us for a long, a long while, so we believe in missions, right? And if so, what's our philosophy? We do believe in missions, okay. and we do have a philosophy. Um, we used to do mission trips, and about 12 years ago, we decided we were instead of mission trips, we were going to do partnerships. Hmm. There's a subtle difference. Mission trips, you go to a country... Next year you go to a different country, and next year you go to a different country. But we do partnerships, so we commit, when we go in initially for five years, and then 
We make sure we're doing it with them, mm -hmm. their vision, mm -hmm. their ideas. We come alongside them versus doing it to them or for them. I love so that's that. a mission trip sometimes. We do partnerships that last at least five years. I love that commitment that we have. And so whenever you look at a partnership, I mean, how many trips have we taken? How many of these with partnerships, how many people have gone on those? What's our story? We've been in 10 countries. We've taken 36 trips, and 328 different people have been involved in those. 320. That's a lot of people. That's a lot to give thanks for, amen? It is. Well, praise the Lord for that. <clears throat> so, so how are we choosing these partnerships? Are we just drawing something from a hat? How does that work? Well, we decided we needed some kind of system that took my emotions out of it and then our, our former pastor's emotions out of it. <laughs> and so we um, put together a process that has five and maybe a six step that's a weighted um, criteria. So we ask five questions, and you'll see them up there. Hmm. And then we give each one of these a weight. So if somebody comes to us and says, hey, and we get a lot of them, I want to be one of your partners. We right. say, hey, would you fill this out? We give a weight to each one of these. And then... Um, we're trying to take the gospel out, so it has to be a part of that. So mm -hmm. we're all about the Great Commission first off. Yeah, yeah. And then we want it to be re reproducible, sustainable. Mm. We want it to be locally developed. We want it to be able to be passed on and all mm. those kind of things. And then lately that. we've kind of added a sixth one. We'd like to go where there aren't any evangelical witnesses at this mm. point so that we're spreading the gospel even more. I and that's been a weighted system that you've had in place for a little while. I love, I love that. That is correct. So, so congregation, what, what's a participation uh, opportunity for us here at LifePoint? We've always kind of said we have three things we want you to do. We want you to pray, we want you to give, and we want you to go. I love so we that. kind of take those out of Romans 10, 13, and mm. following, where it says that in order to come to Christ, you have to believe, but everyone who believes will be saved. Mm. And then it goes through a process. It says that in order for someone to believe, they have to hear. Right. In order to hear, you have to have a preacher, and in order to have a preacher, you have to have them sent so that they can become a follower of Christ. I love that. So we kind of sum all that up and pray, give, and go. Which is exactly what we just saw Paul go through in Acts 13 Correct. and 14. I love that. So <clears throat> if somebody is here and, and they have a heart for missions, what would you tell them to do? What would be their next step? Their next step would be to go on and sign up for one of our trips. Okay. And then we have a QR code for that. It's actually the QR code for the bulletin, and in there, there's a missions in there, and that QR code in missions helps them to sign up and get on our list. Okay. And then eventually, they can go on one of our trips. So they just need to go to the QR code. Yep. So we'll put get that on up the there. List. They can see that. And then we have a trip coming up in December. Nice. Um, somewhere December 27th. We don't know what it'll end, but it's one of our newest partnerships in Mexico. Nice. Casas Grandes. It's a beautiful little town. It's going to kind of be our town where we start and then we'll move out we're partnered with a group called chia and they've done medical mission trips they have disciples all over mexico mm. and they came to my co-leader bryce finnerty and i and said hey we would want you to come help us plant churches that plant churches mm. in each one of these areas and we talk about a church as a congregation right, right it's not a building it's just an area where they meet it's a group of people so we looked at paul's map and we saw there in the mediterranean how he kind of went to all these eight places do we have a map, like here at LifePoint, of we do. places that we've been? Yes, I consider that if you've ever prayed, if you've ever given, if you've ever gone, then I don't know how rewards work in eternity, but they're pretty determined in the Bible they are there. So this is our missionary map. There are 10 trips on here from our church to all those countries that you see those arrows pointing to. And so I would give you an applause 
Amen. Because you have made this happen, and this is your missionary trips that Amen. you've prayed for, you've gone to, you've given to, Amen. to make this happen. That is exciting to look at it and is. see. So of all those stories, I mean, over all these years you've been doing this, what, what's a favorite story that you would just share with us? Well, that'd be like asking me to choose my favorite kid. <laughs> Actually, I have a granddaughter, so I have a favorite kid. You have a favorite yeah, granddaughter. I do, I do have a favorite child now that I have a granddaughter. Um, and I have one on the way. That's what I heard. So, anyway, Congrats. Um, oh. So I think our favorite group right now is one of our earliest ones is the Philippines. And the Philippines has kind of blossomed. We've been there a little over 10 years. And the first five years, we were helping them build churches. Hmm. Um, went in and gave them a common language and helped them get their congregations together. And in that process, we met Pastor Bernard and his hmm. wife, Annie, hmm. and his kids, Isaac and Angel, were young at that point, hmm. And they just... We met them, and Mark, they were literally taking down a church brick by brick and moving it to another area because they had leased land and they had bought land. Hmm. And literally, if you can imagine, brick by brick, they took down their church, they were moving it, and they had a bunch of quarter-inch plywood, and that's what you see here. This was their church after it had been moved. And so we knew he was a man of peace. We knew he was a go-getter. And so by God's grace, brick by brick, shovel by shovel of concrete, board by board, they built a new church. Hmm. And we really don't build church buildings, but we needed a church there that we could kind of launch out of hmm. our next five years. And so they built a church. Um, we helped them along the way. Our church, you gave money, and they put it to great use. And so they now have a new worship center. Neat story how God did that. A couple from Korea that didn't really even communicate well in Tagalog just drove by their church and said, the Spirit of God told us to build you a worship center. Hmm. And they gave them money right there on the spot to build a worship center. So God's all over mm -hmm. what they're doing in anointing mm -hmm. them. And so they built this new worship center alongside this two-story building that they had built over 10 years. And we used it at our missionary sending out building. Hmm. And at this point, they sent out 15 next-generation pastors, wow. and there are 15 LifePoint churches there in the Philippines. Praise the Lord. Praise now, the Pastor Lord. Bernard is a go-getter. Every, everything we have with LifePoint on it, they have. Um, half these pictures, you'll notice he has a hat on with LifePoint on it. I'm surprised he doesn't have a shirt with LifePoint on it. So LifePoint is all over the Philippines, um, down in the Tagaytay City area, and over into Batangas, if you know those areas. So we have churches all over there as part of our missionary journey, and God just blessed what they're doing there. I love that story. I love how many people are coming to know God at the end and, of the day. So... Dennis, you, you did something to challenge our staff about six weeks ago uh, that's both terrific and terrifying. Would you just share a little bit about that? Sure. About six months ago, I was kind of doing an online business course, just kind of keeping my act sharp, so to speak. And they were talking about core criteria. What do you do every day and every week in order to build your business? Well, we have a church, and I'm, so I got to think about what are the core criteria that I need to be doing every week at church? Well, it's pretty easy. I don't have to think those up. God's already given us those. He said, go and make disciples. Hmm. So in my simple mind, I felt like, well, to make disciples, I've got to start inviting people to church again. I know you think I'm a pastor. I'm paid to do that. It's still scary. <laughs> I still get nervous. It's a spiritual yep. battle that goes on yep. whenever I invite somebody to church. So I did that under the radar for about six to eight weeks and realized I needed accountability. Hmm. So I came and challenged the staff that each and every week we would invite one person to church. And so... That's what we're doing right now. And on Tuesdays, we come together and do real accountability. Give me their name. Give me where they work. And then we pray over those individuals. Mm -hmm. And so 
And it's um, so funny every week how nervous we always talk about how we are, scared to death, and then it came out. And then we were like, okay, that was yeah. amazing. And you know, Mark, we are pastors. That's what we do. I've literally invited hundreds of people to my church. I've witnessed to hundreds of people. And every time I'm still nervous. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's a spiritual battle. There's a spiritual yeah. battle because God doesn't want us, just like Paul had the battles. Yeah. We're in those battles. They're more emotional and mental now. Yeah. But the evil side doesn't want us it's to invite real. people to yeah. church or yeah. tell them about Jesus. Yeah. So I don't care how many times you've done it, it's still hard. Yeah. Yeah. So now my challenge is to my church family. Hmm. I've done it personally now. I brought it into the staff. Is This week I want to challenge you to invite one person to church. Hmm. I know that sounds pretty easy. But some of you, you're terrified. Um, that conversation starts awkwardly on your part. It never does on the other person's part, but on your part. And it may be one of the three people you've been praying for, but I challenge you this week to invite one person to church. And if you'll just have that in your mind every day, you'll be surprised how many people God brings you across. Yeah. I'm shocked now that I have that on my mind, and I should have had that all along, I know that. How many people just start that conversation with me? Yeah. And it, it's pretty amazing how it, that works. It is. It's been fun to watch. In fact, I'm going to ruin Isaac's thunder. Uh, Isaac was sharing this. Well, we're all sharing our stories, and every time it's just funny how ridiculous we are to be so nervous to, share, to invite people to church. But Isaac was telling the story of he and Shannon and his wife were out to eat, and about halfway through the meal, she's like, you are totally not present. What are you thinking about? And he's sitting there, and he said he just kind of was rubbing his head, and he goes, I feel like the Lord wants me to invite the waitress to church. And I don't know how to start the conversation. And she's like, you're seriously sitting there as a pastor, not talking to me because you're worried about inviting this lady to church? Yeah, that's totally all I can think about. But it's real, right? Like, we, we go and we see people that we know and we think, I don't know why, God just laid you on my heart. I want to invite you, and yet I'm scared to death to begin the conversation. So it's a real fear. I appreciate you challenging us. Well, and the passage didn't help today. Paul did that and got stoned. So right, right, it's, right, right. It's kind of scary right. at the same time. Right. We see getting stoned a little different in our generation, <laughs> but it's still, it's still not good, right? It's still not ideal. Uh, neither help you in sharing the gospel, I will tell you. Uh, well, thank you. Thank Dennis. Appreciate you for uh, sharing and all you do for our missions. Uh, I love that man and his faithfulness, not only to our church, but to our missions around the world. God is sure using him, a man of integrity. I'm grateful for him. Let me just challenge you with this as we close. It's our turn to be missionaries to this generation for the sake of the next generation. It's our turn. And nothing will satisfy like getting in the game. So let me close with these three questions that invite you to get into the game. First question, what's your next step? What's your next step on your missions journey? We don't see all these stories throughout the book of Acts because we think they're clever and because God just thought that might be fun to read about, but instead he's inviting us into this age-old mission that will go way beyond our lifetime, but he invites us in our moment to step into it. What's your next step? Will it be to pray? Will it be to, to give? Will it be to go? What is your next step? Second question I want to ask you. This week, would you be willing to have some God conversations and drop God into some conversations? Would you be willing to pray for three people that you know who don't know Jesus? Who are your three that God has strategically and supernaturally placed in your life for such a time as this? And then finally, would you invite someone 
to church this week, I will promise you, you're going to wrestle like we do. And I can't wait to hear your story. Share it with me when you see me next week. I'd love to hear it. I'd love to hear how nervous you were before you began that conversation. And then we'll, be, we'll have fun to see, hey, we left it with God. Because just like Paul said at the end, it doesn't start with me, it doesn't end with me. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. I'm just the vessel through which the invitation comes. And then would you pray that God will lead you to someone to invite. It's our turn to be missionaries to this generation for the sake of the next generation. Oh, here's what we know about God's Word. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the Word of God, it endures forever. So I want us to continue to put it to memory. So let's close with this memory verse, Acts 15, 19. Would you stand with me? And together, let's close by saying this out loud, Acts 15, 19. Church, would you say it with me? It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are to. Acts 15. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that you didn't create us to just buy bigger houses, get better jobs, and different relationships. You have handed the gospel to us. May we be faithful now to take the message of salvation to the world around us. May we not be spectators, but be in the game. All for your glory and for the sake of the next generation. Give us courage where courage is needed, wisdom where wisdom is needed, and your compassion all along the way. And we will give you the glory for all that you do as we serve you, Father. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope today's message was an encouragement to you. And if you'd like a little more information about our church, just visit us on our website at lifepointplano.org.